Well, hi, Dr. Wolf. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you taught me many classes in undergrad, and I still have a lot of those books. In fact, didn't we use this book in your class, the Hebrew Bible one? Yes, we did. Yeah, I still have it, and I still take notes, and I still use it all the time. So nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're in the we're starting a series called Bible Basics, and uh, when, when we were talking about what it would look like, you came to mind right away as far as like having these conversations. So thank you again for joining us. You're so, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So um, we're, we're going to talk, have four different conversations. And the first one is on uh, the Torah. If you had to nail, uh, boil it down, what is the Torah about? The Torah is the origin story of the people of Israel. Mm. <laughs> and the beginning of it, counterintuitively, is not Genesis, but Exodus 14 and 15, 15 through verse 21. Mm-hmm. And the real beginning of it is 1521. Okay, I have to double check. I have the verse right now. <laughs> it's Miriam's song. Mm. So Miriam sings this song after the people come through the sea led by Moses. It's 1521. I was right. Miriam sang to the Lord and she was leading, singing and dancing with all the women, celebrating that they escaped from being enslaved by the Pharaoh in Egypt. They escaped through the sea and she sings these two lines, sing to the Lord who has triumphed gloriously. The Lord has thrown horse and rider into the sea. <laughs> and that is the, the kernel of the origin story of the people of Israel. And then if you back up in chapter 15, one through 20, it's called Moses's song. And we have this poetic or lyrical, as in song lyrics, version of that story. And if you back up one more chapter to chapter 14, you get the same story in a prose style or a narrative. Mm -hmm. So whenever we see a story multiple times like that, and here we essentially have it three times, if, if you'll consider that as a possibility at least, mm -hmm it means it's so important. Mm -hmm. And it's really the birth story of the people of ancient Israel, the Hebrews, as they were called at that time. And so Genesis is really the backstory to that birth story. Mm -hmm. I like to make the analogy of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So when I was a, a very small child, <laughs> I went to the theater and I saw this new movie, Star Wars, with my best friend. I didn't really want to go because I figured there would be no princess. <laughs> Thankfully, I was wrong and there was a princess and I, I loved Star Wars. But then, of course, Star Wars got so popular that everybody wanted the backstory. And so much later in my life, one week I had the flu and was home with my son. And we, I said, let's watch some Star Wars. And so we started where I knew the actual starting point was. 
of course. Mm -hmm. And we put in that disc with uh, Luke and Leia and Darth Vader and C-3PO and R2-D2. And I had to stand up even in my illness, in my compromised state and say, no, what have they done? Because (laughs) the DVD that we had bought said on the top of the opening crawl, episode four, A New Hope. So this is the analogy yeah. that they they made it look like that came later by editing the crawl at the beginning. But in fact, that was the that was the original story. Then they added the backstory. So Genesis is really more like the backstory of Exodus and Exodus is the foundation. The kind of story arc through the rest of the Torah is that the people after they've escaped through the sea, the Sea of Reeds, it says in Hebrew, the Greek says the Red Sea, but the Hebrew says Sea of Reeds. Then they wander in the wilderness and they stand around and camp around at the bottom of Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. Different passages call it different names, but the Holy Mountain. Moses goes up and down talking to God and getting teachings for the people and there's some arguing and there's some death and there's a lot of teachings and more teachings and revised teachings. And then in numbers, they move again and they, well, they count everybody cause it's a new generation and then they move again. And then Deuteronomy, they're kind of on the verge of getting ready to cross another body of water, cross over the Jordan into what they call the promised land. The people who already lived there called it Canaan. And then, but before Moses will let them go, he has to review everything that they've already learned from Mm -hmm. God on the Holy Mountain. And so that's Deuteronomy. So Deutero is second. So a second teaching is Deuteronomy. And Moses reviews everything. That's why we get the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, because Deuteronomy is reviewing it again. And then, bummer, at the end of Deuteronomy, Moses dies before he can go with them into the land. So that's kind of the story arc of them. I mean, if we want to back up into Genesis, which a lot of people are most familiar with Genesis, it does have really awesome stories. Um, and so, you know, you need like these cosmic beginning origin stories and we have two of them there, one that is on a seven day cycle and one that is a very different kind of story, very folksy about creating humans out of the humus or an earthling out of the earth. The Hebrew is Adam is made out of the Adama and Adama in Hebrew means earth or land. And uh, very, that's a very different kind of story. You get the story of the flood. And then in chapters 12 through 50, you get stories of the ancestors. And one of the really important things to remember about the ancestors is not to only think of them as individual humans. They are useful in that way. They definitely have things to teach us about what humans are like, uh, both good and bad. <laughs> but <laughs> Those are also stories about the people and the tribes. Mm -hmm. So when you hear a story about um, Abraham, Jacob, Sarah, Hagar, uh, Rebecca, Isaac, um, Joseph, 
Benjamin, those stories are useful to think about in terms of what was this saying about a group of people, whether a tribe or the whole group of people, or maybe even what is it saying about all of humanity, mm-hmm. rather than just trying to take it as, oh, this is a story about this person who lived thousands of years ago. Why should we really care? Uh, they, they, were, they were meaningful in that way. Yeah, that, that's one of the things. Um, so in the disciple class that I teach, we talk about how like these stories, we can either take them for face value and they're like factual and historical. And, um, but they really tell us a lot about who the people understood God to be. And we can see that kind of growing as we read through the, the Old Testament and the Torah, as they're going through the wilderness, as they get to the promised land, like that knowledge of who God is, is expands. And, and I see that especially like with the story of Noah's Ark and like comparing it to the Epic of Gilgamesh and seeing like, all the similarities, right? I, it, it really like I've had to sit back and say, okay, like what, what is this telling us about God that's different than what the Epic of Gilgamesh was telling us about the gods uh, when they wrote it? Yeah, that's a perfect kind of question. And the thing that I always encourage my students to do is to consider the difference between truth and factuality. So to me, there is truth in most of what's in the the biblical texts Mm -hmm. uh, in the scripture, as we religious people refer to it. But not everything is necessarily factual. And in fact, often if we try to force factuality onto some of those stories, we're going to absolutely miss the point. Mm -hmm. We will not see what's true about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And it's so easy to think in the, especially in the Torah for me to get stuck in all the little details, um, trying to understand the family lineages and the years and all that kind of stuff. And there's a, there's a bigger story that I think we have to not miss. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so let me ask you, why does the old, why does the Torah matter to us? What do you think? Well, wow. (laughs) There are a lot of ways to answer the question. So in terms of the Bible as a whole, I think it matters because of Exodus, because that's the origin story. (laughs) And, uh, there's so much richness there. For example, the, the hilariously ironic story in Exodus one and two, where the Pharaoh who's unnamed gets foiled by these named mm-hmm. midwives, Shifra and Pua. And as the Pharaoh is trying to commit genocide in, or at least really make things hard on the Hebrews who he has mm-hmm. enslaved, um, he keeps on saying, uh, kill the boys, kill the sons is actually what he says, mm-hmm. kill the sons. But each time he says that just twice, he, he follows it by saying, let the daughters live mm-hmm. or the daughters, you shall let them live. And so the irony is that his whole plan gets foiled by daughters, by girls, mm-hmm. women, Shifra and Pua and Moses's sister and Moses's mother, and then his own daughter mm-hmm. really foil his plan. So I think because it is the origin story um, because, uh, it, because it contains the origin story, it contains the teachings, those central teachings. And because it has a lot of stories also, um, throughout Genesis, Exodus numbers, uh, especially have some stories that reflect what humans are like, not Mm -hmm. always in good ways. Yeah. 
a lot of times the point of the story is, um, wow, we mess up a lot and somehow God was still able to complete God's purposes or mission anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, another reason that the Torah is important for us is because it's part of our religious heritage, Mm -hmm. Our, our ancestors in faith took down those teachings and preserved them. So to refer to the timeline in, in 587 BCE, before the common era, the Babylonians crushed Jerusalem. They burned the temple. They had already looted it 10 years earlier. They had taken the leadership into exile in Babylon more than 800 miles away. And in the ancient world, that really should have been the end of their civilization, of their people, uh, and certainly of their religious tradition. Mm-hmm. But while they were in exile, they were writing down their stories and they were keeping different versions of them. So that may be why we have two very different creation stories. Mm-hmm. And three times we get a story that we call the wife sister stories, where one of the uh, patriarchs uh, encounters a foreign ruler and says, mm-hmm. oh, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And then the patriarch totally throws her under the bus. And the mm-hmm. patriarch uh, is afraid that he will get killed in order for the leader to have his wife. Um, so it's, it's really a big tent view of our ancestors and faith because they didn't kind of take a vote and say, we're only going to keep this version. They kept all the versions that came together there at the time of the exile. And, um, they also were emphasizing aspects of the religious tradition that at that time we could arguably some would debate about this, but we could start to call it Judaism or uh, very early Judaism. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that the people could do while they were in exile to preserve their religious tradition, like tell stories, write them down, study them, memorize them, retell them. They could keep Sabbath, even though they had no temple, even though they had no priestly system, even though they couldn't do sacrifice. And so it really tells us about the preservation of the religious tradition. And uh, and so that makes it, I think, very important. Um, Leviticus, Leviticus can seem boring, I know, and so perplexing. But if we can, if we if we can use some good resources and I'm just going to give a big shout out to BibleOdyssey.org, BibleOdyssey.org, everybody. Um, workingpreacher.org, I think also is really good. Um, and, uh, look for some resources to help you understand Leviticus because there were reasons that probably the priests were focused on those kinds of teachings. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even necessarily some of the teachings they may have been writing down in a situation where they were basically irrelevant. They couldn't even do some of those things, some of the Mm. sacrifices and stuff, but it was still a way of talking about their idea of God's holiness and all of that background, right? The Torah was the central part of uh, the, the religious tradition that became Judaism 
And so for Christians, one of the reasons that's important is not only is it our ancestors of faith, but that was the central part of Jesus's Bible. Mm-hmm. And I, I teach both Hebrew Bible and New Testament to my undergraduate students. And when I'm teaching the New Testament, sometimes I think how mind boggling it is to imagine that somebody could try to read the New Testament without knowing the Hebrew Bible really well, Mm -hmm. because the New Testament is written with the assumption that its earliest audiences knew the Hebrew Bible really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much memorized, right? For most people. It depends, I think. I'm, I'm not sure we know that so much, but some of the more learned people would have. And there, mm-hmm. there are certainly a, a couple of passages where it's clear that um, at least the people who recorded what Jesus said thought he knew it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think one of my favorites, um, uh, when Jesus is on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then you go and read the Psalm. I think it's Psalm 22. Yeah. Yep. And like, it's just almost word for word. And it gives it so much different context than what we imagine it to be when we read it in the New Testament alone. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you, what's your favorite story in the Torah? Well, one that I really love lately is in Numbers 27, where we meet these five sisters, Machla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Tirza. And I made myself memorize their names because there are a lot of women in the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament who are never named. But these women are named multiple times, Machla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, Tirza. And their father was named Zalafahad. And he had died in um, the wilderness. And he hadn't died in a way that was supposed to have been punishment. And so in Numbers, one of the things that's happening is they're supposed to be divvying up the land. Of course, they're not in the land yet. It's like preliminary divvying up, which is one of those places where you realize, oh, yeah, they maybe were writing this later, which is probably true. (laughs) Yeah. But so these daughters step forward to the elders and to Moses and they say, hey, just because we have no brothers doesn't mean that our father's land should be lost. We should get to inherit it. And this is so remarkable what happens. So Moses goes back to the Lord and brings their request. And the Lord sends him back and he says, yep, you're right. The Lord said, it's like, I missed a Torah. I missed a teaching. And you knew it. And so, I mean, the rabbis praised these women so highly because they knew a teaching that Moses had missed. (laughs) And so they, he says, you can, you can inherit Well, we get a little bit of backpedaling right at the end of Numbers, if you look at Numbers 36. uh, And in that chapter, Moses doesn't go to the Lord, but some of the uh, other people are complaining a little bit and they say, well, you know, they could marry anybody and then the land would go out of our tribe into some other tribe by inheritance Mm -hmm. rules in a patrilineal way. And so you can marry whoever you want as long as it's within our tribe. Hmm. And so one of the reasons I love that story is because it really challenges the wrongheaded stereotype that a lot of us have about women in the Bible and especially women in the Hebrew Bible. A lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, women, had they had no rights and they couldn't own land and they were just chattel and all of these things. They didn't get to speak and... Most of those things are just wrong. 
in in some cases they are true, mm-hmm. but they're not entirely true. And so I think we need to give some more attention to those stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's um well, two things. I think one, every time I read through the Torah, I learn something like something new stands out to me. Um, and so like that story, I, I've read it hundreds of times, but I never really like thought about it that much. So I'm glad you shared that. Um, but I think that's also one of the beauties about scripture and as like reading the story in the Old Testament about um, we begin to like we have we realize we have all these notions that we've been taught in Sunday school and stuff that we think is in there. And then we read it and we realize, oh, there's a lot more to this than we ever thought. And I think that's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Uh, that's the uh, James Sanders called that adaptable for life. That, that mm-hmm. feature of the scripture that mm-hmm. it means something new in different generations. Okay, mm-hmm. so I have a song I made up about the five sisters. Can I teach okay. it to everybody? Of course. I, I want this song to be in VBS, and <laughs> I want everybody to learn it. Okay, you ready? But you have to. Can you sing after me? Y- yes. <laughs> okay. It's a call and response. Okay. Okay. So. Well, there were five sisters who said it wasn't fair. Well, there were five sisters who said it wasn't fair. So they went to Moses saying, Dad's land should be theirs. So they went to Moses saying, Dad's land should be theirs. And they were named... And... Machla. And they were named Machla. Noah. Noah. Hogla. Hogla. Milka. Milka. Tirza. Tirza. So there were five sisters who said it wasn't fair. We could just end there. Maybe it could go on forever until you have all the names memorized. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) I hope everyone in your church will be singing it. I'm sure they'll have it stuck in their head. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you very much. This is this has been a fun conversation. I'm excited for our next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Mid City Church Sermon Cast. If you would like to dive deeper into today's topic, visit midcity.church/sermoncast to find a home sheet that goes along with this message. On the home sheet, you will find scriptures, questions to wrestle with, and a challenge that goes along with this sermon cast. If this has been a helpful resource to help you grow in your faith, we want to invite you to support our ministry here at Mid-City Church by giving today. To give, text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to the number 225-307-0662. Thanks and see you next week.